This show has been a success, partly because we tell wonderful stories that connect with you, Ruckus Maker listening. And it's through story that we, we learn. We're entertained, sure, but we're inspired and, and we could take action on the ideas that are shared. When I started this show, I started because I wanted to hear stories of success and failure from my guests, because my assertion was if I learned from those moments and if I took action on just one idea, I would grow my leadership skill set and experience uh, results and have doors open that I couldn't even predict what would happen. That was true. And it continues to be true. And it's true for you too, if you listen and take action on what you learn. Now, through those stories, uh, yeah, listen, I'll, tell me a story. You know, I'm there for it. But one of my favorite kind of stories are ones actually of failure. Not because I enjoy hearing how people have failed or, or somehow get some pleasure out of that experience. But because there's there's always a pivot, there's always an insight, there's always the next chapter, there's always in what you're going to find out today, a third day uh, that separates you from everybody else and where your story changes a bit. So I'm very excited to introduce you to uh, Dre All Day Baldwin in today's show. And we, we start our conversation with a specific story of failure, rejection, and challenge. But Dre was a professional. He continued to show up, and we'll hear how that uh, impacted his life in just a second. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Deliver on your school's vision with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty in self-paced online professional development specifically designed for pre-K through 12 school leaders. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy and Innovation, Leading People, and Leading Learning. Apply now for our February 2022 cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com. Slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during covid Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. In just five years, Dre Baldwin went from the end of his high school team's bench to the first contract of a nine-year professional basketball career. While playing pro basketball, Dre pioneered new genres of personal branding and entrepreneurship via an ever-growing content publishing empire. 
Dre started blogging in 2005 and began publishing videos to YouTube in 2006. He has published over 8,000 videos to 136,000 plus subscribers, his content being viewed over 73 million times to date. Dre's daily work on your game podcast masterclass has over 1,700 episodes and more than 3 million downloads. Dre has given four TEDx talks on discipline, confidence, mental toughness, and personal initiative, and has authored 29 books. He has appeared in national campaigns with Nike, Finish Line, Wendy's, Gatorade, Buick, Wilson Sports, Stash Investments, and Dime Magazine. A Philadelphia native and Penn State alum, Dre lives in Miami. Well, hey there, Ruckus Makers. Today, I am joined by Dre Allday Baldwin, who went from his high school bench to a nine-year professional basketball career in just five years. Dre has published, get this, over 15,000 pieces of original content. His daily Work On Your Game podcast has over 3 million listens. Dre has given four TEDx talks and written 29 books. Dre, welcome to the show. Danny, thank you for having me here. I'm excited to be here, excited to get into this conversation. Yeah, me too. You have such an inspiring story and, and you're prolific with your content. So this is good. This is a huge value add for the Ruckus Maker community. I'd love to start with your, your background story. Normally, I actually don't like to do that, but yours is so interesting. I, I do want to do that. And this idea of just uh, keep trying, not giving up and the mental side of things. And that's important because the last thing I'll say here is that to me, mindset's everything, right? Like what what scripts we say to ourselves in our head, uh, the beliefs that we have dictate our actions. And, you know, that's how leadership shows up every single day. So let's start with your, your background story and, and keep trying, not giving up idea. Sure. I'll give you the, the two to three minute version. Uh, I come from the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I now live in Miami, but my background was always in sports. I uh, played you know, some football, touch football, baseball, eventually migrated over to basketball by the age of 14, which for anyone who's trying to go somewhere in sports, 14 is pretty late to get started. By 14, a lot of kids, you know, their parents are investing thousands of dollars into them becoming you no know, athletes, at least getting that college scholarship. So I didn't make my high school team until I was a senior, uh, sat on the bench the one year I was on the team, the varsity team. And where I came from, the schools were kind of underfunded. So we didn't have a freshman team or a JV. We only had varsity. So it was one team. You made it or you didn't. Sat the bench the one year I was on the team, averaged two points per game. For those of you not familiar with basketball, two points is not a lot. Now, in hockey or soccer, it's pretty great. But in basketball, it's nothing. So I uh, still wanted to play basketball even after graduating high school. My grades were pretty good. I went to a magnet high school. And my mother's an educator. So I was always, you know, good enough on the books. My sister was way better than me, but I was good enough. So I knew I was going to college either way, whether I played sports or not. I walked on at a division three school, which is the third tier of college sports. I played in college immediately. And so apparently I was getting better, but I didn't set the world on fire in college. Uh, when I graduated from college with a degree in business, focused in management marketing from Penn State, I still wanted to play professional basketball, even though I had no idea, no who, what, when, where, why, or how. I knew who was me, but all the rest of them I didn't know. So after a year removed from college, I worked a couple of regular jobs, quote unquote, after graduating, and then went to this event called an exposure camp, which is basically a job fair for athletes. And you play at an exposure camp. You don't just talk. You actually perform. I played well there. From that exposure camp, I got this great scouting report, which basically said this guy's a pro-level player. I leveraged that scouting report and the footage from that exposure camp. It was only two days, this camp. I leveraged that into signing with an agent 
an agent in sports works the same way that a literary agent or a movie agent or a TV agent works. They basically connect the jobs to the talent. My agent got me my first playing contract that was in Columbus, Lithuania in 2005. Now, at the same time, Danny, I had the footage from this exposure camp. It was on this device called a VHS tape. You remember the VHS tapes back in the days? I so, do. My mom is uh, moving from Florida and she wants me to take her old VHS tapes. I say, Ma, I don't need those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My parents threw all my VHS tapes away. I left them in their garage. That was in my mom's state. So anyway, I took that VHS tape. I uploaded it. Well, I got it transferred onto a data CD, put it on this brand new website, where you can put video out for free. In 2005, I just heard of it. It was called YouTube.com. And that's where I started to do what we now call build a brand. But in 2005, we were not using that freeze. So I put this just basketball videos up sporadically, very sporadically at first. But I found that there was an audience of people who wanted it. And these were players who were just like me. But only 10 years later, they needed someone to teach them how to play basketball, but there was no one around to teach them. I basically became their virtual basketball trainer, virtual mentor to them. Again, in this very early days, I mean, Facebook wasn't even out yet at this point. We were still on MySpace for those people old enough to remember it. So that's how I started to have these two careers running at the same time. Uh, Fast forward around 2010. Players started asking me about my mindset. They started asking me about my approach because they just noticed that I was starting to be more consistent putting these videos out. But this is still way before it's cool to be consistently putting stuff on the Internet for free. Like, who are you putting stuff on the Internet for free? There's there's no business in that. Is that a career? Like, when you want to get a real job. So when I was doing these things, people started asking me, Dre, what keeps you coming to the gym every day to work out? Or how do you have the same confidence in the game that you have in practice? Or when I would, I would answer questions, I would always respond to people's comments. And this is way back when it was a good idea to read comments on YouTube. So I would respond to these comments and I just tell people a little bit of my background. I would make little videos, just talking, telling people my story, you know, where I came from. And these players realize, man, this guy is playing pro basketball, but he had the same setbacks that I have. Like he didn't make his high school team either. Uh, his nobody around him really thought he was going to make it either. He didn't have anyone helping him out either, but he still made it. So wait a minute, what is he doing? So they already saw me playing. They already saw about, all right, here's how you work on dribbling. Here's how you jump higher. But they wanted to know what I was thinking. They wanted to know the mentality behind it. So they started asking me these questions like, Dre, how did you even have an idea to try to go pro with all those setbacks that you face? Or they would ask how I got started getting known online because by this point, I started to have a little buzz to my name because of these videos. So I started answering these questions just in my content. I started doing a series called Weekly Motivation. And I was forming a the foundation of this philosophy that I now teach on purpose is called work on your game. So fast forward to 2015, another five year jump. I stopped playing ball in 2015 and went into doing this work on your game thing full time. Basically got into what we now call the thought leadership world. Uh, similar things to what you do, writing books, podcasting, speaking, coaching, training, etc. And now today, uh, full time CEO, owner of my company, work on your game incorporated. What we do here is really simple. Danny, we take the mental tools to get you to the top one percent in the sports world. and We translate those over to the business world and into everyday life. And I'm sure you know, in this conversation, we'll fill in the gaps. Yeah, I'm especially excited to dig into the work on your game framework and you know talk about your your new book coming out the third day. Um, but before we get there, I actually have a question uh, about YouTube. Uh, you've been on there so long and correct me if I'm wrong. I think I saw 137,000 subscribers, 45.9 million views. Like that is, that's, that's unbelievable. And uh, you know, I think about school leaders and the power of story uh, in, in promoting 
what they're all about or their thought leadership and that kind of thing. And I'm wondering if you can just share some of your key insights of being so prolific creating on YouTube and how might school leaders use it to promote what they're about? Wow. Well, for a school leader, the way that they can promote themselves through YouTube is realizing that YouTube is a new television. So people like yourself and myself, Danny, when we were kids, we would turn on TV for entertainment. Nowadays, the young people or younger people still consider myself young. We they go to the, the phone or the tablet or they go to the computer and then they watch YouTube. YouTube is a new TV. And the good thing is uh, you don't have to have, there aren't certain packages. I remember sometimes as a kid, my family would only have basic cable or we wouldn't have cable at all. You're stuck with four channels. But nowadays with YouTube, you have a billion channels, whoever wants to put something out. So the first thing is be there because that's where the eyeballs are at. And the second thing is, no, just share who you are, be who you are as a person and share. Uh, this is how I see things. This is why I see them be able to articulate. And someone's a school leader. I'm assuming most people in positions of leadership are really good at communicating. They're good at articulating what's in their heads. So just share who you are and what you are and why you are. And your audience is going to start to find you. Because when I started publishing content, there were there were no courses. Hey, here's how you build a brand on the Internet. Again, we weren't even using the phrase build a brand in 2005. I was just sharing who I was as a person and just talking how I talk to anybody, whether there was a camera there or not. And my audience gravitated towards me. Now, at the same time, there were people who would see my material or hear something that I said and say, you know what? That's not for me. And that's all right. You know, if you're going to build a brand and have a distinct place in the marketplace, you're not going to be for everybody. And you don't want to be for everybody, because as they say, when you're trying to be for everybody, you're really for nobody. So what I would tell a school leader is really just put yourself out there how you are and let the people who want to be with you, let them become your audience. They will identify themselves. I'm resonating with what you're saying, you know, and, and how I'm experiencing you is I feel like if we weren't at the podcast and we were hanging out there in, in Miami, this is who you are. Right. And I, I think the success, I know the success that I've experienced has, has been similar as well, because I'm this way on the podcast, meeting you, going out to lunch, whatever it is. And uh, my mentor says people crave authenticity. The other thing I want to unpack, too, that you mentioned as well is uh, just sharing those insights, you know, the way you um, view the world, the perspective, the lens you have. That's actually a gift. Sometimes we downplay that. You know, there's a Derek Sivers quote, what's ordinary to you is extraordinary to me. Uh, but nobody else has the way that you, Dre, view the world. Right. And so that's a gift to show up and consistently share it. Uh, and then the last thing for the ruckus maker listening is just the, the power of a answering people's questions, right? And so folks are going to have a lot of stuff with you in terms of the uh, top 1% mindset and approach to, uh, to work and leadership. Uh, and then for the ruckus maker listening, just how they do school. So uh, thank you for creating that value for us today. So let, let's get to this framework. I, I love this work on your game idea that you have. I think it incorporates uh, discipline, confidence, mental toughness, and personal initiative. But if I got that wrong, please correct me. And if not, tell us more about this framework. Sure. So just going right down the line, the discipline question really came from when people would just see me in the gym working out every day. Now, the thing is, when they saw me in the basketball gym in the videos, they could see that I could play. They could see like this guy has skills. He obviously knows what he's doing on the court, but they didn't know who I was. They had never heard of me. So it's not like I was on TV playing for the Lakers. I was playing overseas where most American, even basketball fans in America have never seen an overseas game. And if an overseas basketball player walked by, you wouldn't know who they were. 
maybe because they're tall and they look like a basketball player, but you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't know their name. So when they saw me, they were like, all right, who is this guy? Why are you in the gym every day working out like this? And that's when they started to find out a little bit about the background. And then when they found out about the background and that I had made my high school team, I walked on at a division three college, but I still became a pro. Well, how did you do it? And then I would point to them and say, well, don't you see me posting these videos every day? Don't you see me doing these drills all the time? So it's a discipline showing up every single day to do the work, which is exactly how I describe discipline every single day when I'm talking to my audience. It's that willingness to show up and do the work. And the thing is, you're not always going to feel like showing up. I don't care how high your position is, how much money you're making, how great your job appears to be from the outside looking in. Nobody always feels like being at work. Not every day. So what do you do in the moments when you don't really feel like being at work? That's really what separates you from everyone else. And that now you mentioned my book, The Third Day. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. That's what that book is based on. What do you do when you don't really feel like showing up? Because it's easy to show up when you feel good. Uh, the second part, the second principle of the working again philosophy is confidence. Now, the thing is, Danny, when people come to me asking about anything related to mindset, most of the time they're asking about confidence because that's the one that's confidence is fun, right? It's fun to have confidence. It's fun to hear some nugget that can help you build your confidence. It's fun when you feel confident. But the thing is, what a lot of people don't understand is that discipline creates confidence. If you really think about it, you think about anyone you know who's highly disciplined, they're probably also very confident. You think about the most confident people you know, there's a heavy amount of discipline that goes behind that confidence at least the confidence is actually real. And the way that I explain confidence is a framework that I have called the super you. And the super you is still you being yourself, but it's you at your highest possible level of confidence. And it is not, I want to make sure I'm being clear, it is not faking it until you make it. I did a TED Talk on this in 2016. I told people fake it till you make is actually a, a oxymoron. Because when you tell your subconscious mind that you're faking something, that means eventually you have to stop faking. You have to go back to being know the actual you whoever that is and it's kind of like cinderella you know when the clock strikes midnight that those uh, beautiful shoes and the gown go away and you go back to wearing the rags that's what happens when you tell yourself that you're faking it the super you is you taking yourself to that same level that no cinderella went to but it's actually you deciding that that's the type of person that you're going to be not the person you're faking or pretending but the person that you actually are and you can stay that person for as long as you wish the third principle is mental toughness the mental substance is just your measure of how disciplined and how confident you can remain even when being disciplined and confident have not produced the results. Because how many times in life, especially people in the education field, how many times does a teacher go to a or a school leader, you go to your subjects, whether it's students or other people who work there, and you tell them, all right, this is the exact framework. Follow these steps. You're going to get this outcome. And then you have some people who follow the steps and they don't get the outcome. And they're like, well, hey, I followed the steps. I did everything right. I'm following the process. I'm doing everything I was told to do, yet I'm still not getting the outcome. What's going on? And what happens with many people when that occurs to them is that they either start quitting, they start complaining, uh, they start feeling sorry for themselves. They just start going in the opposite direction mentally. Mental toughness is the measure of how locked in and focused can you remain even when doing everything right, quote unquote, has not yet produced the result. Because the thing that we all have to understand is that uh, life doesn't guarantee us fairness. What life guarantees is an opportunity. So what are you going to do with your opportunity? And everybody gets dealt a different hand. And it's an analogy that I was explaining to my audience not too long ago. That if you play a game of cards with five different people, everybody has different cards. All right? The only card that's the same is maybe the jokers, but you take the jokers out then every card is different. So nobody's going to get the exact same thing. So, what we see 
or oftentimes, especially as kids, but now the adults are doing it and it's a different conversation, but people are looking on other people's plates. You know, the saying is don't look at the food on another person's plate because it won't fill your stomach. So what they have and what you have is not supposed to be the same. So mental toughness is your measure of looking at what you have and dealing with the situation on your plate and doing what you need to do with it. And the last one is personal initiative. Personal initiative is where we take all of this potential energy of discipline, confidence, mental toughness, and we actually make it real. We turn it into kinetic energy, energy in motion. Go and actually do something. Because in life, uh, leadership, your show is targeted towards school leaders. But listen, nobody is handed leadership. Leadership is taken. Uh, And initiative is the exact same thing. You have to take initiative, meaning you have to choose. And initiative, the root word is initiate. Initiate means to go first. And the root word of that is initial, which means first, primary. Number one, you have to be the one who moves first. You're the one who takes action. You're the one who initiates everything that's going to occur. And the leaders are usually the people who are going first. The leaders are the ones on the front line. The leaders are the ones who are putting themselves out there. And then that gives courage, confidence to everyone else to put themselves out there. So personal initiative is your willingness to step forward and be that person who goes first, whether you're right or wrong, because people will be willing to follow you. Because, frankly, a lot of people in life don't want to go first because of that fear of what might happen if they're not correct. So we put all four of those together, that discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative. What all that does is help you. It theoretically is going to help you create an opportunity for yourself. And when you create an opportunity, then you have to perform because coming from the sports world, education, the same thing. This is a performance based business. All right. If you perform, you win business. You don't perform, you go out of business. And in the end, you produce a result. In sports, the result is winning the game. In education world, the result is, well, a lot of different results you can have, but you want to know what your results are. And when you get the results, then you get the rewards. The rewards might be money, might be fame, admiration, love, happiness, personal fulfillment, whatever it is that you want. Then we repeat the cycle all over again. Next year, we got to do it again. Next season, we got to win another championship. So we go through the whole process all over again. So that's how the work on your game framework works and it applies. Beautiful. Uh, that's brilliant, Dre. And uh, that's definitely a master class on how to elevate your leadership and, and drive results. We are in the results business. And so if you want to be in that top 1%, that was a master class on the work on your game framework and uh, encourage ruckus makers to rewind and play that. You know, what would a challenge look like to listen to Dre inspiring you there uh, every day for the next week? And then the most important part where he ends with personal niche initiative uh, John Doerr says ideas are easy, executions, everything, right? So that's what it comes down to is uh, personal ownership and taking action, which separates you from uh, everybody else. So, Dre, I'm loving this conversation. We're going to pause here just for a moment uh, for a message from our sponsors. And when we get back, I do want to get to that that motivation idea, which you talk about in the third day, because I'm very interested in in what drives you. Get professional development without leaving your home. Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership helps you establish your legacy and deliver on your vision for your learning community. Learn from Harvard faculty as you examine case studies of leaders in education and business. Since 2018, we're proud to have served over 5,000 school leaders from over 125 countries and 54 U.S. states and territories. We are honored to welcome you to our February 2022 cohort. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? 
Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. So we are back with Dre All Day Baldwin, and he was just talking about his work on your game framework, which is absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you, you know, you, you started that work on your game framework talking about sometimes there's days that you don't want to uh, hit the gym, make the video, uh, show up, right, and, and do what you need to do, but you still are motivated to show up. And I'm just curious, what, what pulls you through those difficult times? Because uh, there's a lot of, yeah, I, we all experience it, right? Might be imposter syndrome, might be the friction of just the difficult task. But what pulls you through those difficult moments? Is this mentality that we call it the third day, as you just mentioned. And what the third day is all about is what I title it is this, the, this, the decision that separates the pros from the amateurs. And the thing that people have to understand, if you go look up the definition of professional in the dictionary, it says someone who does something is their main paid occupation. That's the dictionary definition. The work on your game definition of professional is a person who shows up and delivers every single time, regardless of how they're feeling. That's really what makes you a professional. And many people think that being a professional means that you're the best at what you do or you have the most talent or you have the most skills, the most game, so to speak. Now, while talent, skills and game do matter to be a professional. You need them to be a pro. Right, how many people do you know, Danny? How many people do the listeners know? How many athletes do I know who had talent, skills, and game, yet never became a professional? So it takes a little bit more than that. What makes someone a professional is the fact that we can depend on them to consistently show up and deliver. That's really what makes you a pro, is that we know you're going to deliver on a consistent basis every single time. So the third day mentality is understanding that that motivation, you mentioned the word motivation before we went to break. Uh, motivation is for amateurs. And I tell audiences, I tell athletes this, I tell professionals this in any line of work. Motivation is for amateurs, and I'll explain why. Because motivation comes and goes. All right? Motivation doesn't last, and motivation is kind of fickle. All right? One day you might be really motivated. Some days, I'm sure, Danny, you're really motivated to record an episode of your podcast or work on your next book or write a blog post or send an email to your list. But there are other days you're not quite so excited. Maybe you're sick. Maybe it's cold outside. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep the night before. You got other things going on in your life. You're not so motivated to do your job. So how do you still get the job done? You still get the job done. Well, actually, let me not answer the question. Let me ask you, how do you still get the job done when you don't feel like it? Yeah. Well, for me, uh, I've made a commitment, you know, and, uh, the way it looks in my leadership practice, I've made a commitment to myself and to the work and those I served the night before, right? So 
uh, despite how I wake up and how I'm feeling. So that was a great distinction that, that you uh, made there about motivation. Uh, I know what is most important and I've already committed to delivering that. And then I just go out and do it. That's it. That's how it works for me. Exactly. And when we look at the word commitment, what does it really mean? Commitment means you showing up with the same level of dedication and energy that you had when you first decided you were going to do something. That's what really being committed means. It means, okay, the the wedding is over, but now we got to focus on the marriage, right? And everybody gets excited about the wedding, but what about the marriage? So that's the the mentality of the third day. And that's the mentality of the true professional, the person who is always showing up, consistently getting the job done. That is what we call that third day mentality. And just to give people a, a snapshot of why I call it the third day, if any of you who hasn't been in the gym in a while, especially with the pandemic we had over the last year, gyms got shut down. And a lot of people, I mean, some people did the workouts at home. I did it myself. But I didn't really like them. I like being in the gym. But when you can't work out for a while or you choose not to work out for a while, then you come back. The first day you come to the gym, you're excited because like going to the gym is voluntary, right? Exercise is voluntary. You hired a trainer. You signed up for a boot camp class. You got the new tights from Lululemon, new sneakers. You feel great, right? First day is good. Now, the workout kicks your butt because you're not in shape, but you go home, look in the mirror, you're like, I'm doing this. I'm excited. Second day, half of your body is sore because you haven't worked out in a while and it's letting you know, but it's still new. I mean, think about the second time you, you know, drive your new car. It still smells new. Second day at school is still pretty good. Second time, you know, second date with somebody you like is still pretty exciting. You still don't really know the person. You drag yourself home after that workout, kicks your butt again, and you're like, I'm doing this. The third day, already you're already getting some pushback. You're already feeling some resistance. Your body is having a difference of opinion with your mind. And when you get to the gym, you don't even want to say hi to the person at the front desk. You don't want to hear your trainer's mouth. Uh, You really don't want to be there. And already your self-discipline or lack thereof is saying to you very loudly, allow me to reintroduce myself. It is reminding you, all right, you haven't built this muscle yet. You have not built this internal muscle. And right now I'm going to challenge you on if you're going to keep showing up. And that decision that you make on that day, that third day, will determine where you're going to be fitness-wise 30 days from now or six months or 10 years from now. And a lot of people make the wrong decision or they make no decision on the third day and they end up in a bad spot in the long run. And I want people, everyone to understand that the third day does not necessarily mean Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The third day is any situation in your life where the newness has worn off, the novelty is completely gone, the, the new car smell is completely eliminated, But there's a job that still needs to be done. And guess who's responsible for that job? (laughs) You are. And the third day is a decision that you make in that very moment when you realize that it's no longer new, it's no longer exciting, but the job still has to be done. What do you do in that moment? That's going to determine the long term outcome of your career, your business, your life. That's the third day. Love it. And uh, that'll be available everywhere. You can get books. Uh, We'll have it linked up for you in the show notes, too. Um, along with, you know, Dre's uh, social channels, YouTube, everything, website. So that'll all be linked up for you. Uh, I have one more video question for you before I get to the last two questions I ask everybody. Uh, this time, not YouTube, although I think you sent it on YouTube, but it was the personal touch. And I, I talk about this and I do it myself to uh, invite and uh, uh, welcome people into our community, right? And better leaders, better schools. Well, the way you got on this show is you, created a very short minute or less video saying, Hey, Danny, this is me. And, uh, you know, I'd love to be on your show and, and talk about, uh, what I do. Tell me a bit about that, uh, that approach, right? Because 
I teach it myself. School leaders, ruckus makers have heard it. And it was so special to be on the receiving end of that because I'm doing it every single day. I, I did 10 yesterday, right? So uh, number doesn't matter. You could do 100, you could do one. But there's something special about it. And I just want to hear from your perspective, the, the why. Sure, man. But that goes back to even when I was playing sports, Nanny. When I was trying to, there were times when I didn't have a contract to play professional basketball. So when I was looking for my next contract, I would send emails out to general managers and decision makers or sometimes to agents just trying to you know, build up some momentum to get some buzz going back around my name. And I would send these emails out. And sometimes I would send the form emails, like copy paste the same email to a bunch of people that wasn't really working. So I decided I don't know where who first planted the seed in my mind. And I'm like, all right, how about I just personalize the message to each person that I'm sending to? And that started to work. It took a lot of time, but it did actually work. And I wrote about it actually in one of my books, Working Your Game, how I got that to work for me. And I realized that and later on, when I just was reading about you no know, marketing and sales and things like that, somebody put a phrase to it and they called it doing things that don't scale. And that was the first time I heard it. And when I heard that, I said, that's it right there doing things that don't scale because a lot of people will do something. If all you had to do it, you just do it one time and then you just send it to a thousand people, multiply by a thousand. And you feel like you did a thousand, sent a thousand messages, but you really didn't. You sent one. And these days, I mean, maybe eight to 10 years ago, if you sent a bunch of form messages to people, you would actually get responses. They would actually work. It was a new thing, but now it's not new anymore. We've all gotten hip to the game. Everybody knows it. So now I get form emails all the time from people Danny, for my podcast, and I don't even have guests on my podcast. So we know that people are doing this the wrong way. So I'm sure you get 10 times as many as I get. So the thing is, doing the things that don't scale, first of all, like you just said, Danny, when you send a personalized message to another person and you're saying their name, you're mentioning their show, you can't, you can't fake that. All right? Either you did or you didn't. And the best, the sweetest music to any person's ears is their own name and name of their own brand and whatever it is. So making a personal touch, giving that personal touch to another person, you will have their attention. doesn't mean everybody's going to say yes, but you'll at least have their attention and you'll get a, a clear response from somebody who respects the fact that you at least took a minute out of your day, even if it's just one minute out of your day to pay attention to another person, because all of us are so narcissistic and self-centered to hear somebody else. They took time out of their day to talk specifically to me. That means something. And the other thing is most other people won't do it. And this goes right along with what I was just talking about on the third day. Most people, when they hit that third day in their lives, they don't show up. They either they won't come to the gym or they'll come to work and they kind of halfway through work. They don't really give their full effort. In sports, we call that they would they would mail it in or they would go through the motions that day, even though they're there. They're not really there. So for anyone who has that competitive mindset or, you know, that you have other people in your lane trying to get the same thing that you're getting, how do you separate yourself from them? It's doing the things that other people won't do. And in the third day, I talk about this, the concept called the separation day. The separation day, see, the third day mentality is about you and yourself looking in the mirror. All right, what am I going to do when I don't quite feel like showing up? And how is that going to reflect itself in my life in the long run? The third day is all about you, your relationship with yourself. The separation day is also about the third day, but it's about your relationship to everyone else out there. Because you can separate yourself from other people who don't show up on the third day when you do and they don't. Or if they're ahead of you, then you can catch up. It could be the catch up day. But if you're if you're equal equal to them or already ahead, then you're separating yourself even further. So it's just understanding that 
in those situations, in those third day situations, this is that decision that you make has ramifications that go way beyond just yourself. Yeah, I'm glad you made the connection to third day because that 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 you live in it out. And uh, sometimes you don't get the response. Right. So do you still take the time to get those crafted, personalized messages? But it, it landed really well and uh, it did make me feel special and want to thank you publicly uh, for sending me that. It really, uh, really meant a lot. So last two questions I asked everybody. Can't wait to get your perspective on them. Uh, if you could put a message on all school marquees from around the world for just one day, what would your message read? Work on your game. I could have seen that one coming, <laughs> but that's all right. <laughs> uh, in terms of building your dream school, if you could build your dream school, you're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. Mm. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Wow, that's an amazing question. No one has ever asked me that. Uh, top priorities in building my dream school. I would want it to be a, a welcoming place. I mean, schools that I went to, I'm not talking college, I'm talking K through 12. They're very cold environments. Schools always felt like a very cold place. So I would want it to be a warm place. I want my school to be like when you're living in a nice condominium building, the kind of place that you just want to hang out in a building all day. That if there's a pandemic and you can't leave the building, you're good. You're happy because you can just stay. You can just hang out. You want to be there even when there's not school. So I would want the place to be warm. I need the people to be warm from the principal all the way down to the maintenance men. And also, we're going to be selective in the type of students that we bring in because Listen, my mother's an educator, so I hear about this. I hear the stories of students, the people I grew up next door to. Some of them are teachers. One of my best friends is a teacher. My grandmother's a teacher. My sister's a college professor. So I have teachers all around me in life. And the number one thing that I ever hear teachers complain about, and Danny, I'm sure, I don't know if you can concur or not, is the, the students and their parents. <laughs> is that, that the parents are, when the parents are not bought in to their child's education, then it makes it that much more difficult for the teacher to teach the students because who are they going to appeal to if the student's not doing what they need to do? So I would meet with the parents. I would meet with every parent one-on-one and say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. This is what I need you to do. Here's the commitment that we're going to make on our side. Let's say I'm the principal and here's the commitment that my teachers are going to make. And here's the commitment that I need you to make, Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Jones and your child. I want the child there too. Here's what we're expecting of you. And here are the rules. Here are the way we're going to do things. And if you violate these, you got to go. And this is the way it is going to work because this is the this is the work on your game school. And here at this school, um, is the most important thing about you is your game. Your game is the way that you perform and the value and resources that you bring to the table. And if you're not bringing any, then you're bringing our average down. So we're going to have to excommunicate you from what we have going on here. And they're going to have to sign. They're going to have to sign. Sign the contract. This is what we want from the parents. This is what we want from the students and the teachers, the same thing. This is what we want from you all, even down to the people working in the lunchroom. This is what we want from everybody. So what would be my top priorities? That would be number one is that I wanted to be a warm place. I want to feel warm kind of place. The kids come to school even when there's no school because they just want to hang out. The second thing is that every parent is going to have to commit. Every student has to commit and every teacher has to commit. Everybody who is in that building has to make a commitment that is documented and is on paper. And if any of those commitments get violated, we can see it. That has been violated and we're going to deal with them as they are. There will be no arbitrary rules. And the third thing is the most important thing about everybody who is in that building is the most important thing is your game, meaning your performance, the results that you produce and the resources that you bring to the table. Because when you get out there in the quote unquote real world, 
That's what you're going to be judged on. The game that you bring to the table. If you have no game, no amount of anything else is going to save you. And if you have game, people don't even always necessarily have to like you or agree with you, but you're going to get the things that you want because you have the game to bring to the table and you can produce results. People who, who can produce results will always create opportunities for themselves. And again, me coming from the sports world, I would explain that. Like I come from sports. We're in sports. The most important thing is that scoreboard. <laughs> that's that sheet. And that's the way that everyone gets judged at the end of the day. And so those would be the most important things in my school. That's a great question. Well, when you're ready to uh, launch the work on your game school, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to help. So we'll get that team built and uh, get those principals and kids in there and it'd be wonderful. Well, Dre, we, we covered uh, a lot of ground today. And thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of everything we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? The one thing that I want you to remember is in life, as in school and education, as in business, is that you are in a performance and a results-based business. When you perform and produce results, you get the rewards that you want. So if you're not getting the rewards that you want right now, you have a couple of different options. Number one, Look at your performance and see, is there something about your performance that can be fixed? Number two, if you feel like you are performing at the proper levels, but you're still not getting the rewards, go somewhere where you will be rewarded properly based on your performance. And number three, if you are not quite performing at the level that you need to perform at, then you just need to shut up and keep working because uh, that's what this game is about, is producing results. And if your results are not coming through, that means something about your game needs to be fixed or maybe just who you're delivering your game to needs to be fixed. It's one or the other. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.